0: Welcome to The Trials, the system playtest, actual play podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and this is The Trial of Neon Sanctum, Episode 0, Rules Review. So Neon Sanctum is a card-based RPG by Grenade Punch Games, founded by Adam Waite. And it's basically a cyberpunk meets the apocalypse RPG, take some inspiration from movies such as Blade Runner, Dread, and Ghost in the Shell, as well as inspiration from, from some video games such as Shadowrun Returns and The Last of Us. It is currently kickstarting as we speak. It's about halfway through its campaign and it's about halfway funded. So it looks like it's going to make it, but it could op- absolutely use some uh, love and attention for maybe from some of you in our audience. So we hope that after listening to some of these episodes, you might want to go over to the Kickstarter page and check it out and see if this is something you would want to back. So there will be links in the show notes for you to get over to their website so you can do that. So this episode uh, represents sort of a watershed moment in the RPG Academy. It is the first episode that I, Michael, have nothing to do with. Caleb set this up on his own. He had invited his own players, and Adam ran a game for them. And uh, other than assisting with the editing sort of last minute, I had no uh, input or anything to do with the actual episode and which is kind of exciting for me in a weird sort of way. Uh, Back to the editing, there was a bit of a hiccup on that and for that reason I will not be releasing episode 0 and episode 1 together which I often do on these the trials when episode 0 is simply a rules review because episode 1 is not done yet. I am hoping that I will have it done tomorrow in time to post on Tuesday. And so on and so forth. So, uh, for this game, again, this is Neon Sanctum uh, by Grenade Punch Games. The founder of the company, Adam Waite, is running the group through the game. The players consist of the Caleb G, who I'm sure you know, uh, Matthew Parody, who uh, is a voice you should recognize from many of our actual plays and the previous The Trials. And then we have two new voices to our podcast. The first is John, who you may know is at Renaku on Twitter. As well as Kevin Smith, no not that one, a different one, who you may know as Sharn DM on Twitter. So those are your players, that is your DM, and now sit back and listen to a rules review where um, Adam will explain kind of how the system works and how the cards are used. And uh, look forward to episode 1 and 2 later this week. I think it'll just be two episodes of actual play, and then per usual we will have a recap episode later in the week. So on to the show, here is The Trial of Neon Sanctum Episode 0, Rules Review.
1: Okay, everybody, hello and good morning. Uh, this is Caleb here from the RPG Academy running a solo adventure here today. Michael is out of the building, so you have to deal with me. I apologize. Uh, but I do have uh, some other fine gentlemen in the recording loft with me today, and um, Let's go straight down the line, starting with a voice you are very familiar with from several RPG Academy actual plays.
2: Oh, oh, that's me. Oh, hey, I'm Matthew. What's up, Internet World? And
1: we also have two brand new voices in our uh, actual play studio here. Uh, The first is... A pretty cool guy with a name that is very familiar, but it's not that guy, it's the other guy. Hi,
3: I'm Kevin Smith. Uh, you might know me as Sean DM on Twitter or from my blog, Melvin Smith's Geekery. Uh, I'm happy to be joining the RPG Academy today.
1: Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your voice and your time. Uh, and uh, last but certainly not least, one of my favorite people, a absolute brand new voice to. The podcast world, the gaming world, and uh, actual play beta tests.
4: Hi, everybody. My name is John. I'm at Renaku on Twitter. And I am part of the Transformation Sequence podcast, where we review anime.
1: And uh, just as a short little plug for that, that is a brand new podcast in the world. uh, Coming out Mm -hmm. and releasing very shortly, which we're all super duper excited about. Thanks. Um, And we have all gotten together here to uh, do an actual play test of a brand new, uh, role-playing game called Neon Sanctum. And, uh, in order to help us out with this actual play, run things, and make sure we're not screwing up the rules terribly, we have a voice coming over from the development studios all the way across the Atlantic Ocean from Neon Sanctum itself.
5: Hello, uh, I'm Adam White. Uh, yeah, I'm in Cambridge in the UK, and thank you very much for having me on. So, uh, I'm the main creator of Neon Sanctum. It's pretty much my baby. It's been a passion project of mine for quite some time. Yeah, and I'm super looking forward to taking you guys through it and and letting you know what the world's like and seeing what you think of the game. Wonderful. Well, we really,
1: really appreciate this, Adam. Uh, I know we have been trying to put this together for many, many, many months. Uh, I'm glad we could finally do it here. Um, You guys are launching this game as a Kickstarter, coming up fairly soon, so we definitely want to get a taste of this and let everyone in the listening world know what they're getting into, so they absolutely will uh, give you their dollars, which we want to see happen. Um, So why don't we go ahead and start with an introduction of the game itself, whatever you want to start with, the world, how you came up with the idea, this is your baby, go crazy.
5: Okay, so if we start with the setting, Neon Sanctum is set roughly 200 years after a uh, kind of post-apocalyptic event. Uh, most of humanity was basically wiped out. The way I like to think of it is 200 years ago, humans were fighting AI in this terrible war known as the Titan War. And I think of it as the end of a movie. Uh, 200 years ago, a group of ragtag men and women managed to get together and uh, find the weak spot in the uh in the death star kind of idea and managed to do that one final strike that took down the titan army the game however is more uh interested in how humanity has rebuilt since that time and the kind of effect that that kind of ex- extinction event event or almost extinction event has had on humanity and it's led to things like mutations in the world and uh the games are mostly set in the place called Neon City, which is a place where humanity has managed to rebuild really quickly and it has created this kind of cyberpunk um near future metropolis where uh, you know there's gangs and the corporations run everything. So it's it's a bit cyberpunk, a bit post apocalyptic, a little bit of both going on and lots of uh, lots of room for different kinds of adventures. The other main thing that's or probably the main thing that's interesting about the game is that um uh, it uses cards. So in place of a character sheet, you have a um, a hand of cards to represent your character. So the main part of that being what we call skill cards. So a character is made up of between 10 and 15 skill cards. And each card represents a few things such as like your ability area, uh, your ability in an area, a special combat power, but they're also your health. I'm sure we'll uh, go through that in a bit more depth though in in a little while. I've just gotta say right off the bat
1: i'm I'm very uh interested in the the setting and the world itself um reading through the book you guys have out um for the instruction mail and everything you've you've really done a great job in painting the flavor of this world, so you've definitely brought us in there pretty nicely um Why don't we get into a chat about the mechanics? explain how that's gonna work um go into what we're actually gonna be doing
5: today um playing wise okay. So we chatted, so I'm not sure if you guys wanted to go through character creation. We do have some preset characters uh, set aside if we want to use those. Uh, I guess it's a time thing, really. And I'm going to take you through the first adventure that's in that book that you spoke about. So it's an adventure called The Beacon. And basically you will be working as characters on behalf of one of the corporations that that are uh, basically rule Neon City. And actually you're going to be going out of the city on a mission to retrieve... Uh, some what's called ancient technology. So anything that was left over from before the war is treated as kind of you know it's it's treasure. It's it's something that's exceedingly valuable to find, especially if it's in working order. So you're part of a tactical retrieval team, and you'll be uh you'll be looking, you'll be going into one of the old cities, one of the old ruins, which in the game are called junk towns, um, and you're going to be going through that. And all the dangers that you face there in an attempt to bring back some uh, some valuable treasure for your corporation.
1: Wonderful. Well, then, before we even go any further, why don't we actually figure out who we're playing, so we know what the hell we're doing? Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, so we looks like we have four characters: uh, Diana Zell, Cogarth, Lineback, Jason Akiko, and
5: Danny Cario. Ah, uh, Cario. Sure. Uh, I can quickly go through um, like a very quick thing on each of those. So Diana is basically a team leader kind of thing. She's very much about social and you know she's like a SWAT team leader. Effectively, that's what what the idea behind her is. Kogarth is uh, the troll, so he uses the mutant card. So obviously he's a little bit different there. We've made him a fairly stereotypical idea of a troll in that you know he's very difficult to hurt. He's also a mechanic. So he's, he's good at fixing things if things break. So he's a kind of support tank character. Jason Akiko is uh, a hacker and science guy. And Danny Akario is a thief who is famous for using chemistry to his advantage. So I think he was known as the Thermite Kid or something like that. Thermite Thief. Thermite Thief, that's the one. I
4: just just got it up. I'm looking at him right now and that's who I want to play. Because he's got a sniper rifle. So in. <laughs> okay, so John's made his first call. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, can I go first? I want to pick this guy, because he's got a sniper <laughs> rifle, and he's so cool looking.
1: Kevin, do you have a preference of who you want to go with?
3: I usually like being a face person, so I could do Diana, or I could. I'm not very good at hacker types, so it'd either be Korgoth or, or Diana.
5: Of course, if anyone wants to change gender, names, blah, 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 whatever. Go mad. Go crazy. Sweet. So we can just customize this character,
4: like name, race, or not race, um, just name yeah. and gender. Right. Cool. I'll go with Diana then.
1: All right. Uh, Matt, do you want to be the uh, troll or do you want to be the hacker?
2: I mean, I'm better at being a troll than a hacker. So <laughs> I'll go with that.
1: All righty. Bringing Ravage back out of the case. Uh,
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So then I will be Jason Akiko. Um, So I'm going to guess here, Adam, that we are going to pull the cards we see on those
5: character sheets there. Yeah, that would be great. What I normally do is, um, if you see, the next section is a tutorial. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether we want to go through that on the audio or whether... Well, I think it would be worthwhile
1: to go through it for all of us as we're getting into playing here. Yeah. If we decide to cut that out for the podcast, that's fine. Yeah, definitely. But we definitely want to go over it so we
5: know what we're doing. So if you grab the main cards you've got on those pages uh, and then give me a shout because mm-hmm. then you'll need to put quite a few of them to one side. So we need the player card too, right? So you would, um, however, because of the way we're doing it online... Um, the main thing you you need to know is that you've got that power on there, which is the little grey box or the icons. Okay, the one energy plus three, and then the yeah, stun. and um, on your character on the sh- on the PDF it will tell you your stats: speed, AP, defense. So you, okay. so you'll mostly need those. But normally, what happens when you go into initiative is you would hand me these cards and um, I shuffle them. And you like place and them and in. Place them or... well. Okay, but I've got a set here from last time I played, with all the characters' names on. So um, I'm going to use those. I'm all right, to... I've got my cards ready to go here. Awesome. Um, and you are playing... Who did you? Uh, I'm J- Jason. Jason. So for the tutorial, you can pro- you probably say on the PDF there's a box, but you need Aim Shot, Control Bleeding, your Pugio 17, and Gauze. Ah, the tutorial character builds? Yeah. Gotcha. So basically, okay. it's what it, The tutorial is just a combat tutorial uh, and we go through okay. one round of combat and it kind of explains stuff. Oh, perfect. Currently, uh, your characters are all part of, the, uh, of a major corporation. They're part of a company called Pompei Science. And as I say, you're the tactical retrieval team. Uh, and, but what's going on at the moment is an interdepartmental um, virtual reality battle league. You guys are currently at the top of the league but you're uh, in the middle of a battle against the HR team who are your most hated enemies. Ugh. You're in the middle of a battle. You're all in a room together. You guys are doing really well. There's four of you and there's two uh, two HR guys left. One called Tom or one called Steve. And uh, Tom is currently trying to take on Danny. He's uh, actually Danny a small amount of damage. So Danny's stealth card is uh, currently in his damage deck. Okay. And Steve is on the other side of the room looking to do some damage. So what we'd normally do here is you guys would pass me your uh, player card. I'd add that to the NPC cards that represent Tom and Steve, shuffle those uh, and put them out as a river. And the order is going to go Jason, Kogarth, Steve, Diana, Tom, Danny. But I'll take you through kind of one by one. So... This is a, a tutorial, so I'm massively holding your hand, and obviously it won't be anything like this when we get into the real game, and you'll have, be able to do whatever you like. And so Jason is in a really good opportunity to take down Tom, becomes Tom in his battle with Danny is already injured, and uh, you've got an open shot. So each turn, players have six action points, and you can take two phases. So there's an attack phase and a defense phase. If you can see your cards, there's uh, three icons on in the top left side. The top one is a number, which is its level, and the second one is the phase it can be taken in. So it will either be a red fist, which is an attack phase, green shield, which is a defense phase, or it will be an icon, which is a combination of both, which means you can use that card in either phase. To play a card and make it a, make an action, you pay the skill cards level which is the top icon in action points so if it's a level one card it costs one action point so jason you've got a card called aim shot okay to play that you could put it in front of yourself and you'd work down the shot uh work down the card sorry so the top thing you need is it it says requires item shooting fortunately you have a pistol so you have that Uh, You need a target, and you need to work out whether your target's in range. So the third icon down on the top left, in your case, will be a crosshair. And that means you refer to the item card and work out its range, which is given in numbers for when you play on a battle map. And in this case, I think it will stay in feet. You're easily within range because Tom isn't that far away. And then the next point down will be... The difficulty. So this is what you need to, the number you need to hit to succeed when you roll dice. On your card I believe it says it's an icon which is the defense of the person you're attacking minus two. Is that right? Correct. Okay, cool. So do you have a couple of d10 there? I have them right here. So basically uh, roll that and Tom has a defense of 13 so you're looking to roll an 11. I got an 8. Okay. So the cool thing about Aim Shot is it has a special field, and I don't know if you want to say what that what that is. Uh, yeah, it says, on a miss, inflict half, uh, check symbol damage. Okay, so that symbol is, uh, again, you refer to an item card. So you look at the level 1 power on that item card, and there should be a tick field, and you should have an amount of damage there.
1: Yeah, it says three damage.
5: So we always round down, and we do one point of damage. Fortunately for you, that's enough to take Tom down. So uh, you've just racked up the first kill of the, uh, the tutorial. <laughs> Yay! Good job. <laughs> Tom kind of fades out in a virtual reality way. Did you, uh, awesome. out of interest, did, your dice rolls, did you roll any natural... You didn't roll a natural ten, obviously. Uh, did you roll a natural one?
1: No, I had a 3 and a 5 on the dice.
5: Okay, cool. We'll keep going and see uh, if that comes up in future. If anyone does, please let me know and I'll explain the kind of rules that go with that. And that's on either dice that you roll. So, you've used your attack phase, and you still have 5 action points left? Uh, Yes, because Aim Shot has a 1 at the top left. Is everyone up to speed? I hope, try and make sure I don't go uh-huh. too fast. think I got it. Cool. So... For an action point, uh, you can move up to 25 foot, which is easy enough to uh, to move up to Danny. And you have the Control Bleeding card. Right. Which is a utility card. So I don't know if you want to try working through that one, or whether you want me to... Uh, no, yeah, let me give it a shot.
1: Okay, so uh, Control Bleeding is a medical first aid card. Um, it has a cost of 2, and there's a range of hand So I'm guessing that means I have to be adjacent to somebody to use it. Uh, It says
5: requires item first aid kit. Okay, so interestingly, you don't have a first aid kit. But what you can do here is you have the Gauze item card. Right. And if you see on that, items also have powers. So if you don't have a skill that you want to use or can use, you can also use items. And because you're trained in that area and you have cards in that area, you can use the level 1 power that's on that Gaurd's card, which does, uh, I believe, a point of healing.
1: Uh, yes, it, uh, the tick mark says
5: one card of healing. Yeah. However, in the top right, there is a star icon, which is to do with the fault roll, which we'll handle later, but basically that item is a one-use consumable item. So if you effectively wanted to give me that card, you could heal Danny up for his one point of uh, damage. Do it. Yes! Awesome. Uh I believe it's automatic?
1: Uh it does say automatic, yes. Yeah.
5: So sometimes you won't have to roll to, to use the cards at all. Uh you'll just you'll just use them. Okay. Danny, just to let you know. Or mm-hmm. Jonathan playing Danny. Uh you had a card <laughs> that was in a damage deck. When you get a point yep. of healing, you can move cards out of your damage deck into what we call the cooldown deck. Okay. So Jason and Danny Jason, the two uh, the aim shot cards you use this turn, and Danny, the card you're bringing out of damage at the end of your turn, mm-hmm. go into a cooldown deck. And okay. if you have action points left at the end of your turn, you can buy back cards from your cooldown deck, as long as they didn't go into in there that turn. So next turn you'd be able to buy those back. Okay, that makes sense. But the gauze card I used, since it was one use, that goes discard. Yeah, that's just completely gone. Normally, you'd hand it to the GM. Gotcha. Okay. Makes sense. Uh, just to let you know, when you use an item card, those don't go into cooldown. It's just skill cards. Got it. Okay. Next up is Kogarth, who's being played by Matthew. Alright.
2: So... This Tom guy's out of the equation, and there's still Steve?
5: There is still Steve.
2: Now... Sorry, yes. I just
5: need to let you know that you have... Basto, which is like a stun baton. Okay. But yours is currently broken. Ah, uh, But I have these fists, <laughs> right? You do. However, you also have, and what I'd like you to do, is uh you have a car called Jury Rig. Yes. So you could use that to fix your basto before uh for attempting to pummel heads.
2: Oh, so I could I could repair basto and then break uh Steve's head?
5: Yep, you can take phases <laughs> in any order.
2: Oh, okay. Then I will do that. I will uh, attempt to fix my club.
5: Cool. Do you want me to go down the card for you? Or yes, you please. Okay, so it requires a target, which in this case is uh, it's an item. So yes, it's your broken, broken Basto. And then it has a difficulty. In this case, it's just a number, because it's just a plain value that you need to roll 2d10 and get that value. So if you want to use the card, you pay its AP cost, which I believe is 1. Yep. And your your defense phase, I, I assume, and you can use that card and make a roll.
2: Alright, let's see what happens. A 9 and a
5: 5 equals a 14. Awesome. So, jury rig is a special kind of card in that it has a green box and a red box that are side-on on the card. So, when you succeed, it says the card is locked, which means you turn it on its side, as okay. with other card games. Uh, and the effect in the sustain box uh, comes into play. So in your case, it will be that the item is fixed. Excellent. The sustain box also has a cost. So at the start of every turn, you have to pay that many action points or the effect wears off effectively. Gotcha. Some of them have unlock costs, which either your enemies have to pay or you have to pay or certain things you have to do, which will be listed in the unlock box. So... You don't have to pay the sustain this turn. You've just paid your one action point to make it work. Uh, so you have a fixed, fixed club. Excellent. I would like
2: to use it against Steve now.
5: Okay. Uh, so you can use another action point to move up against Steve. Okay. And you want to hit him. Yes. Don't have that card currently. So again, you can use the the power on the item itself. So, it will have a target icon, which would be, I assume, one enemy. Mm-hmm. It will have a, a dice icon, which will be its difficulty. So, what is that on that card?
2: I believe the dice icon is a minus one? A
1: one? Yeah, it's a defense minus one.
2: Yeah.
5: So, you need to roll a 12. A 12 on
2: on uh, 2d10 again.
5: Yeah. Yeah, seems doable enough
2: oh i rolled a
5: 10 and a 5 for 15 okay cool so interestingly if you roll a 10 we uh you have a chance of the item breaking Oh, okay. <laughs> good. the um, <laughs> just fixed it the broken star in the top right has a number in it yes so you've hit that guy and we'll we'll sort out what that means in a second but you need to re-roll that 10 and hope not to roll under the number in the top right. Which I'm not sure what it is ah. on It's 2. The top. They don't normally break. I rolled a 6,
2: so, so I'm So you above are absolutely
5: two. fine. But that's good to show what that was. Um, so <laughs> hitting with a basto does stun damage. How many points it say on the card?
2: It says 4.
5: Okay. So to when you hit an NPC with stun damage, you basically reduce the AP that they have remaining when it gets to their turn. So you've basically stunned Steve, and he uh, he is not going to be able to do a lot on his turn. And I have accidentally forgotten something, so we're going to go over a rule now. Uh, I've, <laughs> actually, no, I'll, I can do it, don't worry. So <laughs> Steve's turn, he is going to uh, run away from Kogarth, because you're huge, you're very hard to hit, and you have a stick. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna he's gonna run up to Jason and attempt to attack him. So actually, he's just gonna run up to Jason because he's probably gonna run out of action points. But he runs up to Jason and what this lets me demonstrate is when we're on a battle map, the squares around you, so roughly the five foot around you, if someone enters that zone, that's called entering the danger zone. <laughs> danger <awesome>.
2: zone <laughs>
5: Um, I love it. (laughs) So the person in so if someone enters your danger zone, you can take your next turn's attack early. So it's an early attack. So Jason, if you want to, you can make an attack. So you don't have any cards, but you could use your pistol effectively. Uh, sure, absolutely. So I would just be using the
1: power on the pistol card. Yeah. Now, uh, you said I am effectively using my next turn's action early. So I'd be paying that
5: AP cost out of my next turn's totals? So you use the phase, but you don't pay AP, so that's the benefit of it. So oh, it, it's free okay. action point-wise, mm. but next turn you'll only have one phase of which to do actions. Gotcha. Alright, well I will still do that, so I will take the gun. Um, It says
1: defense minus one. Sure. And uh, I've
5: got a 10 and a 7 for 17. Wow, awesome. Uh you you hit hit him very well. Steve, however, is a he is a tough guy and he's he's still just about hanging around. Um but you've done him severe damage. However you did roll a ten. Right. Uh you also get to make a fun fault roll.
1: Oh wonderful. And uh the fault uh number is a four and I rolled a one.
5: Okay, so <laughs> uh that item nice. is broken and Aww. cannot be used until fixed. Uh, There are various ways you can fix an item. You can do it in combat as Kogarth has using certain skills. Once the combat's over if you have enough time in the story you can get someone to try and fix it for you. But we also have consumable cards. So for a gun we have ammo cards which you would be able to hand me and fix your item. Okay. Um, That's Steve's turn effectively because he's just run into trouble. And it's Diana's turn. Okay. Okay. So you have two cards available, dodge and quickshot. So I don't know if you want to have a stab at using those, or if you want me to go through them with you.
3: Absolutely. I'll use dodge, requires one action point, and it's a defense card yeah. used on self. Difficulty is automatic, and the card becomes locked, which gives me a plus one defense versus ranged attacks.
5: Yep, absolutely great. I'm
3: reading that correctly? So then, after that I'll follow up with a quick shot? Yep. Which has a one point action point cost, but it also gives me the benefit of giving me an AP.
5: Yeah, so effectively it becomes free. Okay. So. Yeah, so his defense is 13.
3: All right. I have a minus one with quick shot. Yeah. And I'll be using... I'll use the assault rifle. Awesome. Or do or do I only have a pistol at this point?
5: Um, I can't remember, and you know what? It doesn't matter. Use whatever you like. <laughs> okay, I'll use the assault rifle. I rolled a total of 11. Okay, so you just missed. Did you roll any ones? I did not. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. I'm...
3: I did have a question. Quick shot has a minus one difficulty.
5: Yeah. And then my gun has a minus one difficulty. Do those stack? No. So it's just okay. a skill card. You only use the other one if you're using the item card alone. Okay. Oh, okay. I had that same question. I was looking over it. <laughs> uh, effectively, that, that's kind of normally burnt in effectively into the thing. Okay. So, yes, unfortunately, you miss. Okay, so that would be my
3: two phases, correct?
5: Yes. Uh, So both of those, both of your, sorry, your quick shot would go into cooldown. Your dodge wouldn't because you're keeping it going. So we go to Danny next, who's the last person to act.
4: So if I want to shoot him with my sniper rifle, I would pay one AP,
5: correct? You can, however, what would be awesome (laughs) uh, is you have a card called Charge and I'd just like to show okay. you how that works, uh, is that if you put play Charge, and it's like Dodge, it would get locked, mm-hmm. you could run up to Danny and attack him without him getting an early attack. Ah. So you're okay. welcome to do either. So you can use Flurry of Blows and Charge if you like as a kind of combo, or right now, uh, I think people have got the hang of the stuff, so um, if you want to just shoot him in the face with a sniper rifle, I'm happy for you to do that as well. <laughs>
4: I would like to shoot him in the face with a sniper rifle, okay, so he's a minus two to his defense correct okay, so he's you're on eleven and then
5: uh-huh so I got a four and an eight for a twelve nice, so you take danny uh you sorry you don't take Danny out, you take Steve out yep, and for four damage that is effectively the end of the uh that round of combat and and your match. <laughs> So one thing that didn't come up... Good job, team. If you roll a one on any of your dice, you will get rewarded... uh, You will earn a point of willpower. So we normally use poker chips for this. Uh, Unfortunately, it didn't come up, but normally it does. (laughs) These points can be used to add basically one to anything. So you can hand me a point, obviously in this case digitally, tell me how many points you want to use, how many points of willpower you've got, and you can add one to your to hit roll, to the damage. Basically, if you want to add one to something, ask me and I'll let you know whether whether that's available to do. And most of the time it should be yes. <laughs> Some of you have traits and flaws. So, for example, Jason has the oblivious flaw. Oh no, sorry, that's passive. Sorry, Kogarth has the hesitant flaw. I can pay you one willpower and I can move you down the initiative river one space. So so traits and flaws work by me either giving you or you giving me willpower points to activate something. You can't pass these points between each other, except for Diana has the born leader trait, which means uh, she can give her willpower points to whoever she likes in a time of need. Are there any questions? Because that is... A rules dump. Normally, that's quite a lot of stuff to kind of.
4: I think I understand the most of it. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it definitely makes more sense now that we've actually gone through it. Hmm. So, uh, I think if everyone's ready, we can actually get into the actual story to playtest.
3: Sure. Did anyone have any follow-up questions about the game itself? Like, I, I had one where I kind of wanted to ask what the concept behind using cards was what made you decide to go that route instead of this, the more old-fashioned method of an RPG.
5: So we're hoping for it, it helps with accessibility, especially with the out-of-combat stuff, and there's certain things we can do, like the way you cycle through damage and cooldown, that it's just a lot easier with cards. And also, you know, we think they're quite nice to look at. The NPC cards are also really for GMs. It helps out a lot. So mm-hmm. I have a pile of NPCs sitting next to me, and if you case, uh, guys decide to go east when I thought you'd go west, and I need some people for you to uh, <laughs> to to find, I can just pull any out of the deck I've got at hand, and I can I can add skill cards to them or equipment to them, like really quickly and easily. Let's go east. <laughs> so we're always going east. Got it, in.
4: Wait, unless he's thinking about going east, so we we'll are going west. North. <laughs> North.
5: <laughs> Can I on a flat plane? go over how the game works out of combat? Because I think that will also help with the question. Absolutely, please. Go for it. Uh, you all have a variety of uh, cards which are color-coded. You'll also see at the top, there's two boxes with, with words in. So, for example, the one I've got at the moment has combat shooting most of you will probably have a combat shooting card so the red and combat effectively mean the same thing so red cards are all combat cards yellow cards are science cards blue cards are physical cards that kind of thing and then under each one of those areas so that's like that's like an ability area effectively under each of those areas there'll be various uh what we call skills so sub areas so combat has shooting brawl uh melee or melee, depends how I say it. Another one I've got here is social, so we have social tactics, empathy, and performance. So uh, if you look for your cards, you'll see you'll have a variety of kind of abilities and skills, and the number that they're attached to, the level, is effectively how how good you are in that skill area. So out of combat, if I ask you to make a check, so. Say I ask you to make a Social Tactics check for some reason. If you had a Social Tactics card, you could play that and you would add the level to your dice roll. If you had a Social card but it wasn't Tactics, you could still play that card but you wouldn't you wouldn't add anything to your dice. It would be a straight dice roll. And if you didn't have any Social cards at all, you would be taking a minus two penalty, but you can still attempt to do whatever you want. Cards used all go into your cooldown deck, as in combat, and you get those back at the end of a scene. So I we should be running the game in scenes with something interesting happening, and then I'll tell you a scene's over and you get your cards back. So having more than one card in an area can be just as useful as having higher numbered cards, because you basically if you keep messing up you've got more more chances or a higher chance of success multiple times if i do forget to say this is a new scene which i do often please do poke me and i will i will (laughs) tell you that yes you're right it is a new scene most of the time uh
1: when we are starting the actual story here do we have all of our cards
5: in our hand do we only draw some of them you always have all of your your cards oh okay so no, we we don't want people not being able to do things just because they haven't had the luck of the draw kind of thing.
1: Gotcha. So even though these are in cards, they still represent our entire character sheet. Yes. So if we're thinking to compare this to an older, more traditional style role-playing game, these are our skills, our trainings, our class, whatever gear we have in our backpack or on our person. Exactly. Uh, It's just
5: that for the sake of these mechanics, they are broken into cards. Yeah. Um, And the game is completely classless. If you wanted, you could take, you know, one social, one medical, one science. You could take one of each and make a character who was very much a jack of all trades. A jack of all trades. Awesome. The only rule, basically, when making a character is that you can't take a level two card until you have a level one card in the same skill area. That's pretty much the only restriction one I think makes pretty good sense
1: so if we were to create our own characters from scratch uh is it just is there a limit of how many cards we pick yeah or do they sorry. have to come from certain categories
5: it's it's points by basically so um a level one card costs two points a level two card costs three points um so you basically you will have i believe you're uh 20 point characters at the moment um so you could start with higher number characters or less so basically as the same with many games. Things like mutations. So we have a troll in the party. And the <laughs> you're a level 2 troll. And that would cost you 2 skill points. So mutations and cybernetics also can use those those same points. So you can use that to mix up your character. and Or use it on spare points. And same with traits and flaws. Flaws will give you points back. Traits will cost you points. What
1: about the items? How do you
5: pick those up? Is it the cost of the skill at the bottom of the card? So we plan in our setting book to have a um, a a price list, effectively. We we kind of How... want to leave that one up to the GM a bit. A lot of the time, our GMs just kind of hand out cards that they feel fit the character at the beginning. And, you know, as loot as they go along.
1: So the, the weapons and items don't count against the points
5: for building a character? Not at all, no. Okay. Just wanted to clarify that. That makes sense. No, Yeah, great. Thank you. All questions are really ace because, yeah, obviously the game is a bit different, so there's there's a chance I will forget to tell you something. Is there <laughs> any other questions from anyone else?
4: I was wondering what the, the numbers at the bottom of the cards are.
5: The, like, backstab has a three underneath it. Yeah, that's a really good point. I apologize. So that is the cost to take that card out of the cooldown deck. Oh, okay. And it didn't come up in combat, so we yeah. didn't over it okay uh, that's the problem we're doing just one round of combat yeah so yeah that so that allows us to balance the cards kind of in a in a secondary way so some cards will be quite cheap to play but they're going to be more difficult to to do again so you need you're to, be... to
1: you're talking about that number right there at the bottom yes the, um, okay
5: mm-hmm. bottom left hand side in a in a black cutout gotcha for those playing along at home okay
3: and that point cost is from your, uh, your ability points, indeed. right? Your action <laughs> or your points, indeed. that turn. Action
5: yeah. points. Uh, you start every turn with six points. You know, you, you don't carry them over or anything. You don't use them in between. You just start every turn with six, and that's, that's what you can do. And every
3: turn has two phases?
5: Yes, attack and defense. Okay. There are, of course, cards that mess with that sort of stuff, but... We'll deal with that when we come to it and that that sorry that is another strength of cards is the way it kind of allows us to do the kind of exception-based rules quite quite well and kind of ring fenced i saw that you
4: guys were coming out with a playmat which is a really cool idea
5: yeah it's something that people um have asked for for a long time um what i'd like to do uh, i'm seeing about whether we can get them in our in our box as it were but i also just want it to be a pdf that people can download so That's why at the moment I'm trying to stick to a a sort of A4 American-US letter size. So uh, it's quite difficult trying to lay out quite a lot of stuff on that small area. (laughs) But uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be too cramped and it'd be good to use for that. Cool. And,
1: you know, one more question for me, not even about the rules or the game or anything, but you actually sent, I think, Kevin and I both the play cards, the test cards, is this the
5: quality of the cards that you guys are going to be producing as a final product? Those cards are from a um, different manufacturer. Those are from Drive Through Cards, who yeah just can't handle the kind of card numbers we'd want at the kind of the price point we need. So they've been really useful because they're in the U.S. and I can do as you said. I can just kind of go on the website and chuck people orders via there. But yeah, that's that's they're not going to be exactly the same. It's the, it's the kind of thing we're looking for. You know, we're looking for that magic card kind of feel. Sure. Okay. I, I
1: just, I really liked these cards. <laughs> they're they're outstanding quality. They've got a
5: nice texture to them. Brilliant colors. Really easy to read. That's, you know, it's, that's kind of, we wouldn't want them to be any worse than that, that's for sure. Right. Well, um, any other questions? Anything from you guys? I think
2: I got all of them done. <laughs> Ready to go. Matthew I never ask questions I just bumble through the everything so I'm good
1: (laughs) that's why we love you so much
2: I'm, I'm test subject one so let's do it
0: thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network if you enjoy what we do here